Today, I'm really excited to welcome award-winning costume designer, Marion Boyce. She designed uh, the award-winning uh, movie, The Dressmaker, and she also was the costume designer for Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. She's really, really talented, and we had a really fun chat. Here's Marion. Hi, Marion. Welcome to the show. Ah, thank you. And I'm so excited because I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, you sent me this really lovely letter a few years ago, which I still have. And um, I, I, some, I go in and out of, like, if I'm really busy, I, I, um, things just sort of get drift and get put in a basket. And then it's a year later and you think, I can't possibly answer that. But I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love your I I love your clothes like everybody else and your the way you, you style. Um I, both Miss Fisher and the dresser uh great uh great great shows. Uh we'll talk more about that. But um I just wanted to tell you I'm well, like you don't know, but I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, and so it's um I mean I've been lucky in lots of ways to have really terrific shows to do but um putting ensembles together is um the greatest fun. Yeah. There's a lot of really divine things out there. Uh, that's one of the first one questions I wanted to ask you about is did how did you um start? I mean uh, did, were you a um, fashion girl, or were you a movie fan, or was it both? How did you, uh, and did you start when you were in like high school doing plays, or how did you start? No, I I, I always um, was playing around with textiles from a really young child. Um, I used to make make clothes and adapt things, and um, my uh, great grandmother was a um, master lace maker in Italy, and um, I used to spend hours and hours and hours in lace trunks. And um, I used to hand tack things onto cloth and pretend. I lived in a, a fantasy world in a lot of ways. And um, so I was always, uh, and I used to, from a young age, used to go op shopping and um, find things and get my father to help me dye things and change things. Then I, um, at school, um, uh, we did um, pattern making and cutting. So, you know, I was in my element. And then I went, so 
We didn't actually have much television as um, children growing up. My mother made us, well, it was really terrific. We had a, um, a big library at home and we read books and we were encouraged to read. Um, my grandfather used to give us a television every Christmas holidays and my mother at the end of the Christmas holidays used to donate it to charity. Um, so it was, in, I, I love watching things. But um, and so you really had to think about what you you were going to watch because you only had a very limited time every year. Wow. Um, but um, I I sort of developed. Um, a, a, I always loved reading and loved history, and that drew me. Well, so all right. So at school I did pattern making and cutting. And then um, I went to RMIT and did um, um, fashion design. And from doing fashion design, I realized I never wanted to be a mainstream um, fashion designer. Um, I was too sort of quirky for that. And it wasn't sort of what I wanted to do. So I started doing um, fashion shows at nightclubs and bands used to back me in. Anyway, um, producer and a director saw a fashion uh, show I did and asked me to do a film. And um, so that's how I joined the film industry. So the arrogance of youth, I was 21, and the arrogance of youth said, yes, sure, that sounds great. <laughs> so I did that, and I realized that I'd found my tribe. And so I then um, found, um, got a job at a television station, and at the time they used to have this fantastic sort of talent show, and they used to make it wild costumes. And um, I thought, oh, fantastic, that's what I'll do. And anyway, they, I ended up doing, um, at 21, being in charge of Prisoner. And it was just like, wow, okay. But it was, it was, it was sort of an extraordinary world to be thrown into. And um, I realized that um, it was the world th that I wanted to be in. That's so cool. You know, we have something in common. Your, your grandmother was a lace maker. My grandmother was a, seam, a master seamstress. Ah. <laughs> We're very lucky. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, Grandma used to do something kind of funny. Um, with, and, and I never really thought about it as a kid. But if I like something at a store, she, she would just kind of nonchalantly say, you like that? And I said, yes. And the next time we visit her, we used to visit my grandparents once a week. So it's not like it was like months later. It's like a week later. She not only recreated the blouse, the skirt, the pants, whatever it was, or a whole outfit, not just one outfit. She did it in different ways, different colors, different styles, but the same basic thing that I saw that I liked you know, and every time. Mm, that's fantastic. Oh, it was, she was really, it was, she was amazing. Um, she even did that with my choir outfit. I, I, <laughs> I think I was a total alien to my mother because my mother, my father used to buy my mother's clothes. Uh, she wasn't really that um, interested. Um, and um, so she had this child who used to, my mother used to say, so what, what would you like, you know, at the age of 11, my mother started giving me um, my allowance to buy my own clothes because I used to drive her insane because um, I'd say, I'd say like, oh, oh yes, I, I want a full-length denim coat and she'd, she'd search for a full-length denim coat and, and she'd come home and she was very proud of herself and, and, um, 
And I'd say, no, it's the wrong cut. And she used to just... <laughs> She had no idea what to do with me. Oh. She just used to go like, oh, Marion, oh, Marion. <laughs> I mean, I used uh, to beg my parents for white go-go boots because that was the rage when I was about 10. Ah, so my, my mother gave up, and so she used to give me my allowance, and she'd say, now, you must go with your father twice a year to buy your good frocks, so your summer and your winter frocks, and um, you, you must have a waterproof pair of shoes. And they were the rules, and after that, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted, which was really, which was incredibly indulgent of her, because I, I know my choices were not hers. <laughs> how, did, um, how did she react to your choices? I mean, did she make a um, comment? She didn't make any comments. Sometimes she'd, she'd tease me, and I used, to, I, used to, I used to think to myself, well, I have no idea what she's talking about. I was quite um, sure of my choices and was happy with my choices. So, yeah. Um, okay. It didn't really seem... I, I, I sort of... I think I danced to the beat of my own drum. And um, uh, I don't feel... Uh, yeah. She just let me go. She she realised that I had my own thing going on, which is good. I, I guess she was just saying well, you have your creative outlet. That's great. Absolutely, absolutely. Were at the same time as all this was is is that when you began with? Uh, I know you're a collector of jewelry. When did that start, or did it is it start with your your grandmother, or, or just a, a love of your <laughs> own? stuff or how did that start when I was a very young girl when I was sort of under five I probably was about four when this started happening I had this neighbor called Miss Fisk who lived who lived on the other side of the fence and she had this amazing glass conservatory in the backyard and it was full of treasures extraordinary treasures and um and once at four o'clock I was allowed to climb over the fence and go to Miss Fisk's and I used to stand outside her, the conservatory door and um, when she was ready she used to let me in and then she used to spend an hour with me talking about treasures you know these beautiful sort of silver bowerbird you know scissors um, snips for embroidery and all sorts of things and so I spent a lot of time with Miss Fisk and I think you know um, her um, love of things and my love of things joined in a way it's just as soon as, you know from a young child I had this fascination and sort of intoxication for sort of stories and treasures and and things and it was it, that was start of a thing I used to spend I remember um, as a very young girl just um, going up and down the high street where there was all the antique stores and wandering in like as a child wandering in and out of the antique stores working out if I bought a house what I'd put in the house <laughs> so <laughs> I was always very sort of um, attracted to, you know, um, objects and things and used to think about them. That is so cool. And um, is that where you got your idea or your sense? To, um, how, where did you get your idea on how to put the ensembles together that later would help you put them together when you started doing the shows and stuff that you were doing? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, sometimes things used to just grow. So you'd find a piece and then you just keep sort of um, adding to it. Um, 
I used to collect, you know, you used to collect buttons and then, so you'd start off with some beautiful buttons and then you'd find a piece of cloth and you just keep searching. So it was like a big sort of treasure hunt in a way. And so I think it started from there. Um, but I've always thought of clothing as a, a, a whole, not just a individual, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so much fun to play with. It's sort of like playing. It's like you're a kid because you're kind of playing with clothes to make it the way you want it to be or to look the way. you. If you want to be this way this week or that way the next week. <laughs> I mean, oh. that's, a little, that's, I, that's what I used to do when I was a teen. Was that, um, But I never, I, I never went the way of my generation. I didn't. I, I wore stuff that I liked. I, I would pick and choose. Um, well, everybody's wearing this. Well, I don't like that. I don't like the way it looks on me, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> That's right. I've, I've never been fashion-driven, uh, per se. It's um, very sort of individual. Um, I'm doing a project at the moment that's just um, fantastic. It's um, set in the early 1970s um, around, you know, surfy barons and... It's, I mean, the early 1970s is just a gobsmackingly fabulous period because it's got sort of, you know, overtones of the 20s and the best of the 20s and 30s in it. And it's the last of the great op shopping. It's great of the last sort of, you know, uh, um, vintage stuff. It's just, it's great. They had a wild sort of abandon about the way they put things together. And, and you know, there would be a bit of Edwardian, there would be a bit of Victorian and, you know, a sort of a beautiful bias cut piece and, you know, a bit of frippery. And it's, um, I, I'm having a, 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 a terrific time, I must say. Sounds like it. That sounds <laughs> um, cool. Mm. That, that sounds cool. That was that was my time. Like that was, I guess that was my generation because I was born in the sixties, but I grew up in the seventies. You know what I mean? I mean, when you really yeah. had your own uh, from like nine to uh, twenty or whatever it is. Um, that's that was my period. Was the seventies, and I just. I kind of still bring that with me a little bit. <laughs> mm. Oh, absolutely! It's you know, it's really interesting looking at people. I mean, I, I I look at people. I'm an observer of sort of people more than a um, you know, I'm a quite a quiet person, and um, I I find it endlessly fascinating uh, when you find women who have stopped in a particular period because it was the happiest period of their life and, and they've never moved on from there. Oh, yeah. I find that true to an awful lot of times that we we hark back to a time where we were truly happy or or what we perceive as true happiness. It's quite, it's quite interesting what we carry with us and style that we carry with us from particular periods. Oh, yeah. My mom had a lot of stuff from when she was young in the 40s. She's and not shy about mixing the 40s with the 70s at all. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was what was great about the, at the early 70s. I mean, by the end, it was, you know, it became the disco era, and there was something great about that as well. But the 70s is just, um, the 70s is quite elegant and uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, we've got some really great characters from all around the world, and you know, influences from all around the world in this show. And... Um, 
it's it's been my most fun piece for a, a really long time. I, I waited for two and a half years for this show to happen. And um, sometimes, you know, I find a show and um, I wait, I give up a lot of stuff because that's the show I really want to do. And um, it's, it's, it's deeply frustrating doing it in a pandemic, but at the same time, it makes one really inventive and... Um, one has to think out one's choices quite carefully because you you don't have many resources. So it's it's really quite it's really quite interesting and puts a whole new layer of complexity onto a show. Um, but still, it's it's um, it's just great. What part of the seventies is the show set? Uh, seventy one to seventy three. Oh my god, that's I, that was my little girlhood. I was about nine <laughs> to eleven. I remember, but I was not. I was not one of the cool people. I was still a little girl. <laughs> you, that's right. But, but uh, I, look, I think you'll enjoy watching it. The, you know, we have these really um, uh, um, sort of high-end American families in it, and you know, people who come from sort of, you know, the, the um, you know, uh, French Tangier sort of trails and stuff. And so there's a lot of really, um, really. Um, uh, interesting pieces. I found some amazing pieces that make me giggle so much. It's just the, the early 70s was just um, there was a swagger about it and um, it's just the actors are really enjoying themselves and I'm enjoying myself but uh, yeah I, it, it's just great that swagger from the 70s is something we've never sort of, it's, uh, to me nothing's met it again. That's true. I mean, to me, the 70s fashion would be Mary Tyler Moore, Rhoda. Um, <laughs> you know, they were the great clothes the, and the natural look of the face and the scarves and the hair. and uh, <laughs> yeah. that Palm Beach caftan stuff, that was just wild. Yeah. It's, Right. Oh, um, those, so I've been searching for quite a while for pieces for this show. The and, big um, caftans, can you find those today or do you have to create those? All, all, all of the above. So I've been making a bit, been, um, uh, I've been sort of buying on and off for two years, I think, probably worldwide. So I search all over the world for pieces. Um, and I have been making quite a bit, which is, you know, which is the most amount of fun is when, my, one of my greatest joys is actually being in the workroom and um, uh, designing, creating stuff. And um, it's great having shows that you can do that with. So, we're, yeah, we're making quite a lot. And, and, and strange things. It's um, I, One day you'll see this piece and you'll understand. The, um, there's one character that ends up with her own clothing line. And so I, from the beginning of sort of... Um, um, forming her character well you know putting her character together in my head it was like everything that she wore she had to be able to make it's been the start of a very interesting journey with quite exotic cloth it's sort of like Gloria Vanderbilt that she was like everything she wore she created when she started her designing yes I mean, that's a little earlier. I mean, that she started in the late 60s, but it's the same, basically. I, I think that's pretty, you know, uh, part of being a designer. You have to believe in what you're, you're creating. 
Yeah, and I thought, you know, character-wise, um, you know, the, the, I, we have a really glorious actress playing this part, and um, she's she just gets it and she runs with it. She's a bit like Essie. She's fearless and she's um, she understands it and it, it empowers her in a way. And um, so she's she's a delight to work with because she 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 understands and she can handle i mean we're using incredibly lots of really incredibly beautiful very fine sort of chiffons and um and crepes and stuff and she just uh, has this magical way of sashaying and um <laughs> i love a yeah. good sashay <laughs> i love a good sashay <laughs> 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 clothes can make you do that. Clothes, clothes empower you to do all sorts of things, and uh, it's quite interesting watching. Um, now you know you have a legion, and I do mean legion, of fans from the Miss Fisher world. So I'd be very remiss if we didn't chat a bit about Miss Fisher. <laughs> um, I mean, people. Part of what they miss is your clothes. I mean, that's all I hear about. So, first of all, how do you feel about your fans? And have you made any contact with them? <laughs> well, I didn't know about them for a really long time. I, I'm not really involved very much with social media. Um, I didn't know for a really long time, and it took me by surprise. And I have made some friends um, with some fans who are just really divine people. And... Um, uh, yeah, look, I, I find it. I find it curious. I find it curious. You know, when I started in the costume world, the costume designers were, you know, backroom girls, and there was, you know, um, you ne never had a media presence. You never had. Um, you never were expected to do interviews or or be part of the machine of something, and that sort of has changed now. So that that's been a very curious journey for me, but. Um, I, I, I love, I love that people get it. You know, when Miss Fisher first started, and I d d did the first season of Miss Fisher, I thought I was going to be pillared by people. I, you know, Carrie Greenwood has a really big fan base, and part of her books, you know, was the uh, descriptions of Franny's clothes, and you know, she she had a, a really big following, and. Because um, television shows work in different ways than books and the stories are based on particular books but they um, tell a story in a different way, I couldn't reproduce the clothes that Kerry had in the book because they weren't going to meet the story. So I had to find a different way to do it. And I had this really deep sense of dread that when it first aired that... Um, Miss Fisher fans from Kerry's books were actually going to really revolt. And <laughs> I was quite terrified. So oh it was quite God. a relief when people actually enjoyed the clothing. But I, I, um, I did that show because of, of the story. Uh, and uh, I knew that I, I, I understood that period. And... Um, loved so many I had so many bits of it and kept just kept buying more bits because it just it needs all the stuff it needs the frippery it needs the the um 
the layers and layers of um, sort of extravagance in a way and uh, a lot of pieces in the 20s are, are to do with gangsters and moles and all the rest of it and it was great to have a society woman who loved frocks it was a show that was made for me in a way it just had a calling to me and um, um, I'm thrilled that people have got joy from it because clothes should be joyful and um, yeah I mean it's not it's it's both the men and the women. I mean, uh, uh, the way you just uh, Nathan as Jack, the way you just Hugo as Hugh, is uh, as just as popular as Dot, uh, um, Ashley as Dot, and Essie as Friday. You know, I mean, it's just it you it the whole look is fabulous. I you 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 are an amazing designer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, it's really interesting. It was a great ensemble cast. Um, you know, M Miriam, who who played Aunt Prudence, um, she was great. It was lovely bringing the Victorian sort of um, um, sternness um, to the screen, which is really lovely sort of um, opposite of, of, of Friday's sort of um, uh, volcanic nature. And um, the use of cloth, I used to, in that show, I realised quite early on that the use of cloth was a metaphor for her sort of, you know, um, this huge waft. There's a really big personality in the, the, the waft of cloth and the sort of, mm, she used to just burst into rooms and the clothes had to burst with her. Um, That's true. But, um, <laughs> so it's really looking all of the different people, how they fit that um, ensemble cast. It was, it was just a really um, beautifully written piece. Miriam was uh, really fun. Even when she was at her uh, most Victorian, she was so hilarious. <laughs> I love Miriam a lot. I, I, I think she's um, she's a terrific bird and a brilliant actress and um, just a plain nice person to boot. Um, I had a lot of fun with Miriam. Um, yeah, she's really adorable. That's another thing that's fun about uh, a show like uh, Miss Fisher. It's all the different characters from different backgrounds, uh, you know, um, Jeffing, Seth, and um, Bert. I'm sorry, sorry. Bert. I forgot Bert. I didn't forget him. I just the name just flipped out of my little head. Um, <laughs> I mean, how could I forget Travis? I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> Anthony and and. Um, and Travis, how did you transform them via clothes to Bert and Seth? Um, well, it's it's part of you know you've got to understand history and part of being a costume designer. Part of how you get to a place where you before you design, you really need to understand history. You really need to understand social mores. You really need to understand, especially that part of history that was very rigid structures for society and so you've got to understand the rigid structures of society so before you start designing a piece one needs to actually understand what was going on politically socially um, in the art world what was influencing the world political history you need to know a whole lot of stuff before you can even begin because that influences every single 
that uh, uh, the characters are actually influenced by that. So you've got to understand um, a whole heap of stuff, and then you can start designing. So it, it, you know, g going through people's working up people's backstories and unraveling them, and then sort of putting the jigsaw puzzle together, it becomes quite clear about where they sort of sit in society, and 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 what their um, structure would be, how many pieces of clothing they'd own. Um, and the sort of lifestyle that 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 they lived. So it, it's sort of a lot of people think when you design, you just find some cloth and off you go. There's actually an enormous amount of research one needs to do to actually get to a point where one can design. I think that's fascinating. Um, did you enjoy? Do you enjoy doing the research for not just Miss Whisper, but all your jobs? Yes, a lot, a lot, and it's it's really weird because you you when you start a show you're often sort of quite perplexed about how you're going to make it all work as a piece because you design a whole piece not just a character, and so you play around with it and you sort of you spend it's it's an exhausting time in some ways because you're sort of like batting ideas back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and all of a sudden you'll find a hook and you'll find your way in and from there on it's like all the pieces fall into place and um, and then it's so then you move forward and life's great but you need to find the hook of the way in and um, it, it's it's a it's a really curious process do you um, you collaborate with the actors on on the, the the way they're closed for each episode or maybe the season goes, especially somebody like Essie? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing because you, before people are cast, often you're developing character, like you're developing sort of, you know, the ideas and where you're going and, and all of that stuff. And, and often the actors actually come quite late in the piece. Um, but you sit down with actors and you, you know, you've already sit, sat down with, you know, directors and producers and production designers and stuff and you all talk about what you want this piece to look like and how, you know, how it's all going to work and, you know, you, you work in with departments and everybody has to be on the same page. Um, so you, you take your ideas to the actors, but each actor will bring something different to the piece. So if there was a different um, Phryne, the clothing would have been different depending on what they could handle or what they could wear or what they could, how they could play with it. Um, I was extremely blessed to have Essie because Essie just had a great sort of a joie de vie. She had a great sort of lust for life and she threw herself into that, the, the clothing and the, the, um, the um, more outrageous it was in a way, um, it, 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 she just completely understood it. So. Episodic television is a cruel um, world in a lot of ways. You move very quickly. So we were doing two episodes at once. In, so every 16 days, you'd have to make it um, two new episodes. So it was pretty quick. And so we only get, got one fitting with Essie in that time. Wow. And um, so, so Essie, we had a, a trust that I understood. Franny, she trusted me with with 
Franny, so we'd not talk about it in those times and sh she would just, the door to the dressing room would open and, and in would burst Essie. And so we, I'd design everything for every single scene, jewellery, you know, the c colour of the, of the hosiery, um, every single piece of, piece of it, the hats, everything. So everything got t tried on methodically and talked about scene numbers, you know, um, um, uh, emotional content, the whole thing, and and it was not not often that things changed, but we had a really good trust, and she knew that I loved Friday, and um, um, it was nice having that um, relationship. That's cool. I have to ask this question because it, it it's just something I'm really curious about. You know the scene in. I still can't remember the episode's name. Uh, where uh, Dot and Hugh become engaged, and uh, and Franny throws them a party, and she walks in, and Jack's playing the piano, and um, and uh, she's wearing this great beaded dress, and w it's one of the only times I ever remember it. But I have beating, and I really recognize the sound when she walked in, and they swoosh, swoosh of the beads. <laughs> was that done on purpose? Is that was that part of your design? <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't actually, but I have a fascination and a love of I part of me um every piece of cloth has a it's uh, a particular sound. It it has a swish, it has a rustle, it has a tingle, it has all sorts of things. Every piece of fabric has its own language in a way. And um, I've always wanted to hear a recording of a, a huge big ball of the 1920s. You know, a few years ago I was in um, in China, uh, in Shanghai, and I was um, the Peace Hotel had just been refurbished, and it's the most elegant, beautiful Art Deco hotel. And um, I was there with my stepson, and um, a, a big band started playing in the in the ballroom and my feet started tapping as I was walking down the hallway and poor old Sam who was about 10 at the time just looked at me and said don't you dare you promised to come home and watch football with me I was so torn because the I was just I, I, I was hooked I needed to get into that ballroom but I promised my stepson who I adore that I'd go and watch the football with him and I had known nothing about sport and um, I had to leave I had to leave but I had this whole you know the, all this image of these extraordinary frocks sort of swishing in this in this ballroom and it was really 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 tricky <laughs> I was uh, but I did I went back to the hotel and watched the watched the football oh that's but, sweet um, you kept your promise <laughs> Well, he, 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 um, your, your family life in a lot of ways doing um, film etc suffers you know you travel and you're away for long periods of time and even if you're home you're not there a lot you work quite long hours and um, you know he's put up with me for a long, long time, uh, everywhere we go, just disappearing into fabric markets and and antique stores and junk shops, and so he he equally puts up with my um, eccentricities, which is very kind of him. It's funny because my parents loved uh, swing and jazz, and my my mom was a Glenn Miller 
fanatic. My dad um, loved, um, uh, oh, it's, oh, I can't remember the name of um Oh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, big bands. And so I grew up listening to big band music, classical music, and rock and roll in my bedroom. Because um, my parents, it took a while for my parents to accept rock and roll. Um, <laughs> but, but I, it's, it, but, but the pull of that would have gotten to me too. I mean, there's something about big bands. The big band sound, the real mm. big band sound of something like a Glenn Miller or Artie Shaw or somebody like that, it is intoxicating. Um, the only time I got to dance uh, to that music because my dad picked the music was at my brother's bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's heavy. <laughs> and my dad danced my feet off because, I mean, my mom danced with him too, but any time there was a jitterbug, it was, uh, he said, Sherry, come dance with me. I, I can't do this. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> but, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> well, you got to do it. you got to do it, Marion. Maybe there's, like, yeah. gonna, once this, uh, pandemic is over. There'll be a um, a big ball to celebrate. It will be interesting. It will be interesting to see because you know it, it, it's it's a big, been a big shift in society. It's been a big shift in the way we live our lives and and how we conduct ourselves. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how it affects where we go from now. And I I I I. Hope <laughs> in some ways that we've become more mindful of um, people around us. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but um, it, it'll be an interesting time, and it will certainly um, change the way as a society we we communicate and and how we sort of go about life. That's true. I have to ask you another question. Not many designers get pretty much in succession, two big collections in museums. One Miss Fisher, the other the dress um the dressmaker. Is it dressmaker or the dresser? No the dressmaker. Yeah, um, dressmaker. Um how did you feel? I mean that's a big deal. In in a museum I mean they they're, they're celebrated like at studios and like uh conventions and stuff like that, but in a museum, I mean that's so cool. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I I find it a little surreal, but I'm I'm sort of deeply, deeply um, honoured by it. Um, um, yeah, I look, I, f I find it curious because it's it's always been a world where you design something and and then you you find another project and um, it's I've been really lucky to actually get extraordinary projects with um, such um, a broad sort of spectrum for, for to be able to design something a lot of shows these days um, you know modern shows it's 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 not really design piece as as much as those pieces are um, so I've been a really really incredibly lucky um, Yes, uh, to be able to do that. I, I have a project that I think is going to happen next year um, that's a really big frock piece, which is incredibly exciting as well. So, look, um, 
I think some of it's luck that I've been able to find these projects or they've been offered to me and um, yeah it's, it's a great honor I think it's really cool um, well I love the clothes from both shows um, you're very talented uh, it's amazing um, I wish they I mean I know it toured all over Australia but I kind of had a little wish in my heart that maybe the next year, it, it, I kept saying this, maybe the next year I'll come to the U.S., but it never did. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't think that Essie will do anymore. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, it, it, was, um, it was a labor of love, and I had a really great team of people. Um, you know, Gareth Blaha, my design assistant, was just brilliant. Um, a cutter who I spend a lot of time with, who uh, we do a lot of pieces together. We do a lot of pieces for all sorts of things. Sometimes I make, you know, um, rocks for oh, sort of sort of odd, odd things, but they're quite sort of curious. Um, um, John Van Gastel is, is just brilliant. Uh, there's a lot of people. Um, some of the milliners I've worked with. It's it's. There's a really great um, team of talent of, of talent out there. And when you put together a really great team, and they've all they've all got a love and all got um, the same passion that you have. It's something really great about going to work, and it makes those 12 or 14 hours much easier. Um, when you're in a team of people, the first Miss Fisher, we had no money, um, a very small team and, and absolutely no money. And um, we used to, it was like a hunt. So you'd be shooting two and you'd be in pre-production for another two and, and pre-pre-production for another two. So you used to be, were designing and, and finding and ferreting for bits and you'd, you know, you'd be finding, trying to find the perfect feather or the perfect button or the perfect thing. And the hunt was, the hunt is a part of, a great part of the fun as well. Yeah. Um, but I've been always lucky that uh, I have a whole um, team of um, sewers and cutters and milliners, etc., who are just really quite brilliant. This and is, um, this is one of my last. Right. What you just said is great timing because it's one. This is one of my last questions. I had did a little research, and one of the things they said was that your team was nonverbal. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually more in the fitting room that it's nonverbal, because I have this thing where I, 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 I it's your, it's the time when the actor morphs into character in a way so I, I don't like there being a, when you're doing fittings I don't like there being a lot of peripheral chatter because I think it breaks their concentration so when when one's doing a fitting and it's and it's with um, the, the cutter when you're doing alterations I it's an, it's completely non-verbal and they actually understand you know uh, the, the, the movement of my hand of what I actually want to happen and so that's what that non-verbal thing is about it's not the whole workroom okay <laughs> I, like, I, in a I, I could imagine 14 hours of not saying anything that just would make oh, me no, wacko no, no. That, that, could, that could not happen <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of laughter and you know we have a lot of fun we name the frocks everything gets its own personality in a way oh my god and, name uh, the frocks that's so cute yeah we name every frock 
And um, so everybody knows, and you say, "Oh okay, no, um, that's oh, how to steal it, how, how to steal, how, how to steal." Oh, sorry, how to seal the deal, frog? And everybody knows exactly what that frog is. So you don't ever have to explain it outside what it's being called, which is, you know, always reflects back to part of the script or a part of the journey or something. Um, you know, I uh, people go to great lengths when a project is really exciting and everybody's on this really sort of um, um, everybody's equally invested. I have um, a, a staff, Gareth Blaha, who I really adore. Um, I was at one stage. I was looking for um, a a um, oh a piece for um, Dr. Max Hat, and I wanted an acorn, and it was for the um, snow episode. Oh, and for some reason, I was completely obsessed by getting an an acorn. Um, decoration for a hat and so we searched everywhere we searched I couldn't find anything and and um, I'm not very good at compromise and um, uh, we sort of got, nearly got to the stage of I was just going to have to find another way and I was quite sort of curious anyway I got to work and it was about five o'clock in the morning and there was this beautiful box on my desk and I opened the box and it was this hand carved acorn and Gareth at night time had started carving an acorn um, it was oh an incredibly beautiful piece and he'd done it at night time and later that day his partner rang and said oh thank god the acorn's done now I'm going to get dinner <laughs> but you know it, just, it made me cry it was that sort of complete dedication and that just you know all of us got a great joy and everyone was really invested in the piece and, and I think that that comes through I think that's beautiful. That's just amazing. Um, we're coming to the end. Um, I don't. Do you have a website? I do. I do. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have updated. I'm not very good at it. Um, um, I do have a website under my name, Marion Boyce. Um, Is it just MarianBoyce.com? I think so. I think so. I think if you Google if you Google Marion Boyce, it'll it, it it'll tell you how to get to it. But there's no there's no there's no surprises or secret names. Okay. And <laughs> I'm good at it. And I know that social media you have Instagram and Facebook. Is that right? I do, I do. But you know, in all this time, I've probably um, only posted on the Instagram about I don't know nine things. <laughs> Why is, why is that? I do, well, I, I get um, I get consumed by uh, things around me. I'm I'm a very busy person, and I um, I don't have a lot of downtime in a way, and um, it just it never occurs to me. Because I would think that you once in a while, you like once the show is out and everything, you put up one of your designs. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would be um, a, a wise thing to do, but... <laughs> I, to me, it just I, sounds I, like I logic. I need a manager. <laughs> I need a manager. Someone who, who goes, now, Marion. <laughs> Someone who's deeply sensible about the world around us now. <laughs> I, I am going to endeavor to be better. Okay. I just... It, 
it's just out of curiosity. I just I just know it. I love your. I, I check your Instagram and I and I see what you put up, and and the, and there's really great stuff there. But I always like, how come she never puts her designs up? <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> I, I more put up objects that I love. I think more. Um, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense. Um, anyway, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for coming on my show. I really, really, really appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a great. Uh, it, it's um, it's really lovely con- connecting, and um, it's really lovely um, chatting to um. Uh, I for my uh, follow you on Instagram, and uh, you have a great love of of theatre and and um, film, and so it's been great fun chatting. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, and thank you for uh, following me on Instagram too. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> Mutual admiration society. That's right. right. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much. And thank you. And go ahead. What are you going to say? Oh no, no. Oh, okay. Oh no, I was just going to say um, thank you, and um, and we'll all all start moving around again at the end of this pandemic. Oh yeah, let's hope. Can't uh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I know. Me too. Um, uh, thank you. Um, and I know your fans are appreciative, and um, I I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and thank you for chatting with Sherry. Ah. Thank you.